What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. MetalNexus.net, where you can get all your show reviews, concert photos, interviews, and so much more. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm all right. I want to apologize for uh, sounding like I've been eating gravel for the last two days, but uh, hopefully we will not let that affect our performance tonight. Well, performance anxiety is never an issue with mine. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, this uh, episode's guest is uh, Rob Rivera. He returns, the drummer from Nonpoint. Um, although this is a bit different. Um, the nice thing about having a lot of the repeat guests from early on in the podcast when it first started uh, is at the time I was really trying to just get people from bands to come on and talk about other things other than the bands that they're known for. And while those are some cool uh, interviews that we started with, I think we've kind of, you know, found our stride in actually talking to people about everything, whether it be the new record, a tour that the band's getting ready to go on and so forth. So unlike last time where we talked to uh, our top albums of the year a couple of years ago, uh, we actually had Rob to come on and talk about all things non-point, which was actually pretty cool. Um, new record, uh, the day actually we were talking, a tour got announced uh, with P.O.D., Hyro the Hero, uh, you know, by all accounts, a lot of people seem very stoked on this tour. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of diversity there, uh, like for sure. And uh, I definitely haven't heard everybody on the tour yet. But, I mean, I think a non-point, um, and you said it was POD that was on it as well, right? So, I mean, that's that's going to be your rock the house, which everybody's going to already know they've got. They can check out Hire of the Hero and see see what they've got going on. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing, and, uh, you know, we kind of touch on how, you know, Rob kind of keeps his ear to the ground with a lot of bands, listens to a lot of music, uh, and, you know, when doing ship rock, which is something that I think has kind of become almost like a NAM kind of thing for the industry, but, like, more for musicians just to go hang out with each other, and maybe you find people that you don't tour with or aren't necessarily in your realm of music, but you might be like, wow, that band really killed it, uh, and I've never heard of them, and they're kind of an up-and-coming band. Maybe I need to, you know, hit up my people and be like, yo, we want these guys to come tour with us, because friendships are made on Shiprock, so it seems. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely have not been, nor will I go to one. <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't decided if uh, we want to go. My wife and I do want to go. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, Just the idea, I guess, of sort of being stuck um, in one place like that kind of seems not boring, but just seems like there's no escape. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of my hesitation. It's just like I feel like I just would be surrounded by too much all at once. Yeah, and uh, being surrounded all at once right now, I... uh, I thought it was a good idea when I went to Trader Joe's the other day to uh, get two beers that were less than a dollar each. Oh, okay. So I had so this... So kind of kind of just shooting in the dark there. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the fun thing of getting beer? Like, you know, we were talking a couple episodes ago about how sometimes the crap shooting getting crap beer is you can spend $5 or more <laughs> and be getting an inferior product at least for the price point uh, it's actually something in a conversation that i did a couple of days ago with amigo the devil that'll be out soon um we talked about even buying 20 dollars bottles of beer and being severely disappointed in your purchase when you could have bought probably four or five beers for that same price point um right but going in the complete opposite direction i was like 87 cents for a can of beer why not i'll grab two and I'll still be out cheaper than a can of PBR. Um, 
so with that being said, I grabbed a, a boatswain. I think that's how you say it, or swan, boat, boat swan, swain. I don't know. Boatswain, um, swan. Sure, um, but it's their American IPA, and it's not very good. So, um, wow. Okay. Like it's I just kind of skanky, or it's uh skunky is what I meant to say. I don't know why skanky just came out. <laughs> Because it's a whore of a beer. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I guess the best thing I can say is it tastes like a, a an IPA that's under a dollar. <laughs> oh man, it's like those it's like those discount energy drinks you could get at the uh, at the dollar store. I think it was called like Red Jack or something. Oh, there was and, ribbits. Uh, I remember those. Yeah, it, it tasted like somebody just mixed like club soda and and like. Uh, like a like half a Red Bull and then like two full cups of club soda. <laughs> yeah, I, but it was thirty eight uh, cents. I mean, you know. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't recommend this personally. Um, I would assume maybe it's a good selling point to at least get those fuckers off the shelves at Trader Joe's. Um, but uh, this is a hard pass for me on this. I, I definitely wouldn't recommend this. It has me feeling not too good about the other uh, beer I got, which I think was a chocolate stout. Um, so now I'm wondering if that's going to be equally as bad, but just like a shitty chocolate flavor in my mouth. But uh, my my bad beer aside, what have you been drinking? Uh, I've been really just stuck on the Dark Matter uh, by Logboat, which I know I talked about a few weeks ago, but uh, I don't buy a lot of beer. Uh, or at least I buy like a couple of cases of something I really like before I move on to something else. But uh, Dark Matter is like a wheat porter, but it's like super dark, like a stout. And uh, it's delicious. And you should try it if you can get a hold of it uh, somewhere outside of my local area. Uh, I know Logboat usually stays more in Missouri, but they're a rising star. And they haven't been snatched up like uh, Elysian got snatched up by Anheuser-Busch uh, almost immediately. But at least now you can get that on, on draft, you know, if you're if you're out and about. And uh, with that, actually, we're going to get into my conversation with Rob Rivera because it runs a bit long. So we'll stop uh, wasting your time and get into my conversation with Rob Rivera, and we'll talk to you guys afterwards. This evening of talking to Rob Rivera, drummer for Nonpoint. Their latest album, X, is out now via Spine Farm Records. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. How are you? Doing good. I feel like I got a lot of work done. Got my Queensryche episode all up and ready to go for Sunday. But uh, excited to have you back on and actually talk about the thing that you are most known for, which is Nonpoint. Uh, last time you were on, we just basically well, went over the top albums of, uh, I think, 2016 or 2017. Yeah, yeah. But uh, while. yeah, it's been a hot minute. So, <laughs> the funny thing is, is during that last interview that we did, or the last chat, uh, you were basically in nonpoint taking the year off. Uh, so you said. Um, so I kind of wanted to know, and I haven't really forgive me if this has been answered a shitload of times. I didn't really come across it definitively, but um, it would obviously seem that you guys obviously took the time off to recharge and just kind of refocus on on family life and so forth, but. The way you guys just kind of, okay, here's an album coming, we're done, we got it done, you obviously would have had to have worked on it intermittently, it seems, throughout that time. So, 
how was it kind of having that extended period of time off? And do you really think that that's kind of a an unsung hero as to why this record has such kind of a frenetic pace to it? Well, t- for us, you know, time off for us did not mean take time off completely off the band, you know, like take time off away from Nonpoint. It was mostly from touring, you know, like uh, we wanted to take a break. You know, we had set ourselves up, you know, for a good chunk of time that we were able to not be on the road. And uh, as far as the writing, I mean, we're always writing. I mean, we're writing right now. You know, like we, I write every day. Like guys in the band write songs all the time. We have like an endless amount of, of riffs. We have uh, like unopened archives of riffs, you know, like that. We have just have so much stuff. So, yeah, during that whole year that we were off from touring, we were definitely writing. We got together three times and, uh, you know, went to the studio to do pre-production and do writing and recording all the ideas and get everything down that we wanted. But, you know, as far as uh, our time off was, we're going to take time off from getting on to a bus and leaving for six weeks at a time. And, um, and I think it definitely helped us. Because we also wanted, we didn't want anybody to know that we were writing. We didn't want, by us telling people we're taking time off, we avoided all the questions, when you're playing here, when's the new record coming, blah, 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 and all this other stuff that we answered for the last 18 years prior, all the time when we were done with the cycle. People are asking, what are you doing? What are you, that's like, we are never, we all took a social media break, basically from non, like non-point took a social media break. Like, we were all posting our own stuff. You know, everybody, you know, has got their own personal interests. But uh, we just wanted to uh, recharge, as, as you, I, I mean, it's, I guess that's a cliche thing to say, recharge. But uh, we just wanted to take that time away. We were Everybody was able to hang out with family. And, you know, for 10 months, we, we really didn't talk about anything. When it came to non-point, we actually turned down shows. We didn't want to do any shows. We only had two shows booked after we ended the cycle. Was one with uh, Five Finger Death Punch uh, in Springfield, Illinois, and then we had this festival in Madison, Wisconsin, and that was it. We had nothing else booked. We turned down a couple of shows. We we backed out of Shiprock because we were going into the studio, and the producer that we had just did not have the the time frame would have not been able to work had we gone to ship rock, you know? And, um, so we, uh, it definitely helped, uh, and it re-energized the whole band. You know, speaking to the fact that, you know, a lot of fans and I would say media people as well are so apt to always want the next thing and be aware of what's coming and, and when it's coming and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel that kind of surprising everyone with like, you, you know, you release that studio footage, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, here's, like, you know, uh, Chaos and Earthquakes. I think you did a lyric video as well. And then the announcement of the new record. Do you feel that the time away strengthened the brand as well as also got fans really excited? Because here's this thing they wanted, but they didn't know it was coming. So instead of, you know, oh, I know that thing's coming in August, so, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll be stoked about it then there's the visceral reaction, I guess, to, holy shit, there's a fucking new non-point record coming out in, like, a month. I'm stoked. Yeah, um, I think, I mean, 
if you read, if you go online and Google Nonpoint X reviews, I would say that at least 90% of all the reviews were all super positive about the album. And it's been the most positive about a record since To The Pain came out. You know, as far as the pot, how many people enjoyed the record. We were so, we were honestly, I mean, come to myself. I mean, I've been in the band since the beginning. That was my 10th record. I was completely and utterly shocked at the amount of positive feedback for the record. And I think it definitely helped us be unable to be away taking time to write those songs, carefully constructing this thing, you know, and, and, uh, it, it would definitely, it, like I said, the media, the media, I think I just was as shocked as the fans, you know, because like, we have kept saying we're not coming out till 2019. And we initially we were, we were really considering that, you know, but I have seen what has happened to bands when they take too much time off, you know, and, and, uh, and we didn't want to go through that. We didn't want nobody to forget about Nonpoint, but we just kind of took a little break and we were able to put to get piece together this great record. And, and I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, to me, it's one of the, the best in our catalog, you know, and of the 10 records we have, I think it's in top three. And uh, just really, really stoked, you know. I think sonically, it's probably one of the the few that I think captures how the band sounds live. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think sonically, it's the best sounding we've ever had. I, I think that was always kind of one of my gripes with the sounds of your records is, you know, they're they're good songs and everything, but it's like when you go see it live, sometimes like the the intensity or the energy that was captured on the record just wasn't the same as when you go see a non-point show, and I feel like this was one of the first records to really encapsulate that, and really, like, I, I haven't seen you guys on this album cycle yet, and so I'm really excited to actually see you guys perform some of these songs, and see, you know, how much, like I said, how different, you know, it may be, like, is it, is it like it usually is, where it's more intense, and if that's the case, I'm gonna be pleasantly surprised, because I don't know how you can capture these any better than they already were so to see these live and to see how they react is going to be something that i'm looking forward to well i mean on this record i mean we have to credit fred archambault who produced the album i mean he was just a godsend uh, you know what happened was we were originally going to use um our friend brian virtue who has done chevelle deftones James Addiction, he's done, a, he's done a bunch of big records. We were going to use him, but he had an unfortunate family emergency with his daughter that he could not leave, and we completely understood. And then we uh, got Fred, and his background was like Event Sevenfold, Atreyu, Hell or High Water. He's done Deftones as well. So he is a, a younger guy. You know, it's like maybe younger than most producers that we've worked for. Yeah, I think he's late late thirties maybe or something like that. And uh he just came with all these fresh ideas. So sonically I have to completely credit Fred because he captured something that we wouldn't think it was possible. I mean, the first day he walked in and we did this record, we recorded every single thing on this album in like I think eighteen days. 
And that's the shortest time we've ever had on an album, ever. Usually we've done like six weeks or two months. 18, I think it was 14 to 18 days or something like that. So the first day he came in, he's like, well, let's, uh, let's run through a song and see how it sounds, you know? So we got most of the sounds down because Rob had sonically gotten everything and Fred just tweaked some stuff. And then the first song we recorded was a song called Milestones. And, uh, and uh, it starts with a really, like, really gritty bass starts with a nasty bass line. And we really wanted to see, that was, I think, the perfect song to kind of capture everything. Because there's so much simplicity in the song, but it has so much room to breathe. So when me and BC were sitting on the couch, and after he did some things, and when he played it back, me and BC at simultaneously looked at each other and said, holy, we went like, holy shit. I, I like, I was looking at him and says, I can't believe that is us. I was so blown the fuck away from what the little tweaks that he did. And he added so much in like the, the fingers with X. There's so much stuff going on. There's a lot of layers. There's like keyboards and all this cool stuff that's the thing is when you see us live you're not going to hear you're going to hear this record in the raw like you're just going to hear two guitars a bass drums and vocals you're not going to hear the keyboards you're not going to hear any there's a studio version of nonpoint and there's a live version of nonpoint like we could totally like we could totally put all that stuff, you know, how some bands run pre-recorded tracks and stuff like that. You know, we would not, you know, you're going to hear, there's not going to, there's no computer on stage, you know, you're going to hear us completely live. So the intensity is a little different and it's actually more intense live because I don't know how to explain it, but it, we, we like, the new song sounds so killer live, even without all the bells and whistles. But I think sonically, when I listen back to it, and I listen to this record quite a bit, I listen to it at least once or twice a week to kind of keep it fresh in my head when we go out on tour, you know, to keep the songs fresh in my head. But, uh, and I'm like, wow. Like, and I always listen to it on, with headphones. You know, I want to listen to all the sounds. And it's like, man, like, we had Fred, like, really captured something that we didn't think it was actually possible for, for us. You know, we have, and, uh, and I'm excited to work with him again, man. I can't even imagine having a full pre-production with that guy. Like we only had we, we only had partial pre-production because you know he came in late to the production. I can't even imagine what it's going to sound like when it's a full thing. I was just going to say, I you know, with what you're saying, I would assume that you guys, you know, since you were saying that you're already kind of writing stuff in general, the thought process obviously is to go back to Fred. It would seem naturally i i think so i mean uh uh you mean if we do when we do a new album yeah yeah no absolutely i mean there is no question with the combination of him and rob rusha who uh engineered and he actually played bass on the record howie weinberg i think is his name the guy who mastered it i mean there is no other combination i would not go to anyone else i mean it, it was just such a absolute 
incredible experience being in the studio. Like I was bummed when we were done and I hate recording. I don't like being in the studio. I feel all kinds of insane pressure to try to come up with stuff, you know, but I had such a great time. Fred made things fun, you know, like, and plus being in that studio at Uptown has always been like a fun, like the, from the first time we entered to when we did a uh, Spanish 102 and then all the other projects we've done in there, that's like home to us, you know? Like I, I don't even see us. I don't see us leaving that that formula. You know, it's kind of funny. In in prepping for this this interview with you, I I kind of couldn't help but thinking, you know, because it's kind of fun in talking to somebody that has the legacy, like that Nonpoint does, of being a band for over twenty years now, and kind of thinking about how you know you guys seemingly as as a band and as people have grown just like I have, like. You know, I grew up and the first kind of scene that felt like mine was kind of this new metal scene. And in kind of thinking back to that time frame, you know, I kind of was thinking about how, you know, you're one of the few people that I've had on that I can kind of really talk to about this because you're, you are active on social media as a person and as the band. But, you know, with the way that you guys were doing the teaser videos and so forth before this record came out, it kind of made me wonder... You know, having been a band that relied heavily on at like radio singles, MTV video premieres, and print ads and so forth, to now being more in a digital marketing space of, you know, the like social media and so forth, and like XM radio and, and all that kind of stuff, which do you feel actually works better or worked better, I guess, in the <laughs> the old instance, but which do which do you think works better to get your music out to, to the fans? And which do you actually like more? Well, you know what, man? I prefer both platforms. You know, I prefer the old school way and I prefer the new way. I mean, I just, we just adapt. You have to adapt. You know, we are in a different world where, you know, there's the only, like, basically, like, the only people that buy CDs are the diehards. The diehard people that like to have everything physical. I'm one of those guys. I still buy physical stuff. But we've embraced the digital world. You know, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, uh, pandora you know youtube we've embraced all that because honestly like like youtube i mean you can get the word out there it gets the word out with youtube and social media everything everything gets the word out you know like it's we just embraced the new way of thinking and i think that's helped us continue on as a band you know and uh i mean i do i prefer people buy physical absolutely what band does it but we have, we understand how easy it is for someone to have a Spotify account, and for ten dollars a month, you can listen to whatever the hell you want. I mean, how do you how do you argue something like that? I mean, there's no way to argue that. You know, I stream. You know, I have an Apple Music and Spotify account, but I also buy I also buy physical stuff of the bands that I love. You know, I will buy the music. I buy vinyl and I buy, buy some CDs. I don't buy off iTunes anymore because you have Apple music, you know, there's no, no need to buy off iTunes. So, but I do buy vinyl and I do buy some CDs, but I stream as well. I mean, I, like I said, I've embraced every change in the 22 years that this band has been together. I've embraced every single change that has happened, be it, be it, you know, how things are sold, how, how the music gets promoted, how, uh, you know, how to tour, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
genres, whatever is the hot thing at the moment. You know, we've embraced, we have adapted to everything and understand that change and sacrifice is part of this business. And, and I, I think if we hadn't adapted to all that stuff, we wouldn't be a band for 22 years. You know, I think we've all accepted it, you know, and like, I mean, uh, unfortunately, some of the payouts on digital streaming you know, are not the best, but, but it is what it is. You adapt, you know, and then you, you continue to tour, be creative on how you promote yourself and, you know, and everything will work out. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I kind of wanted to speak to you a little bit of the, some of the ancillary avenues that at least yourself has kind of uh, been doing lately and kind of talk about what they do for you. And for Nonpoint, I guess, as a whole, you know, one of the things you do is uh, you do the Rob Rivera's pit from the kit from on Talk To Me podcast. And, you know, it's one of you're one of the few people I can think of that kind of does something like that, um, where you and your band are basically associated weekly uh, with something and kind of getting, you know, your, your name out there. And. I think it's really cool to see, you know, that you, you do it week in and week out. And I think you've only missed like maybe one or two for, you know, touring obligations or whatever. But typically you do it even when on the road. So, you know, kind of what does doing something like that kind of present to you other than just a fun thing of like telling a fun story of like a band or a song that you're into? You know, when Joshua approached me about that, you know, I felt like, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to share with people the music that I love. You know, and then every week I get to do a plug for the band. You know, I get to promote the tour, promote the record, promote whatever. You know, Joshua is, is giving me an opportunity to get some free promotion. And at the same time, I get to maybe expose somebody to new music or a band that I have loved for years that maybe people don't know. Like I said, I, I, I'm, I would love to do that more. I would do that with anyone. I, I love thing is dude i love talking about music and i could i could i did a podcast i can't remember the name oh discography discussion i did a podcast that yeah like i talked about you know the whole metallica discography that was almost like a three-hour episode and i had a i had a fucking blast it was absolutely actually no i'm sorry it was the non-point discography but no, sorry, but we talked about Metallica. We did a thrash metal uh, discussion, and we had two um, two different episodes. They were both two to three hours, and, dude, I had so much fun doing that. My voice hurt at the end because I was talking so much, but, dude, I love, I love talking music with people. I don't like to debate as much. I mean, I do debate. I don't really enjoy that, you know, as, as a whole. But I love just talking about, especially thrash. You know, I love talking about thrash. And people get blown away because of my knowledge of it, you know. But it's just been, it, it's been, it's been my favorite musical genre uh, of my entire life. That's what I love the most is thrash metal and hardcore, New York hardcore. And, uh, but, uh. Yeah, that I mean, that opportunity that Joshua gave me, I completely embraced it. And now, you know, hopefully I can start my own podcast and do, you know, I'm not going to stop doing the pick from the kit, you know, because I love doing it and I love helping Joshua. I've helped him get guests, you know, I, I, and as, as well, you know, and I get to tell people, hey, I work for this podcast where I do a segment. Would you be interested in the interview? 
if I'm able to lock that down for Joshua, that's just killer for me too. You know, like I'm able to, you know, get people more interview time, you know, more, get their, get the word out. Not only am I helping myself, I'm helping Joshua. I'm also helping the artist. So like I said, it's all, we're all helping each other in all, in all this, you know, in all of this, you know, and, and I'm just really happy that he gave me that opportunity. And I would love to, I would love to do a podcast every day. I love to do an interview every day because it's it honestly doing, I love listening to podcast. I think podcast is probably the coolest thing ever as far as marketing for now. You know, I think having, you know, I've never, I've never had so much fun. I listen to the Jocelyn show, listen to metal sucks. Uh, I listen to, uh, to you. I just recently, at least listened to a couple of your interviews. And uh, and I, li- I listened to Alf- you did the one with Alfonso, right? Yeah, I did the listen to that one, which I thought was a great interview. Uh, he's a really cool dude. I love that kid. Listen to Joshua. I listen to Eddie Trunk. You know, I listen to I love listening to these musicians tell these stories. It is so entertaining for me to listen because at the same time, I'm writing notes and I am learning about everybody's experience in in this industry, you know, and I just, I just, it's something that I love dearly. I even listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, podcast when he has wrestlers on there. I love listening to their stories. I'm a big wrestling fan. I, lo- I listen to Jericho's podcast too. That it's, it's also killer when he has wrestlers and they hear all these insane WWE stories, you know, like, and, and it's just, I don't know. I think podcasts are it's probably the, I don't know who invented the very first podcast, but whoever that person is, thank you because it's amazing. I love it. It is a, it is a great platform, and and it has fortunately allowed me to talk to a lot of people that I have long admired and have had questions that have never been answered, given the fact that I grew up in the, the pre-internet age. So some of my favorite bands that existed pretty much before the internet really did. It's like when they went away, there, there's no there's no long like Facebook post or anything like that. It's just like that band's done, and that's it. And you don't know why. And so it's been really cool. Like, you know, I just did an episode with uh, Ryan Ober from Legia. Now, that's a band most people probably don't remember at all. But to me, they were one of the bands that I was really excited about in the early 2000s metalcore scene and really thought that they were doing something interesting. And I thought that they were going to be the next big band. And <laughs> they're through a lot of their own issues and, and kind of getting in their own way in a lot of their career, that's basically kind of what led to the demise of the band. And it was really cool to be able to talk to Ryan for like an hour and ask him the questions that I've wanted to know for almost 15 years now. And I, I mean, I can only imagine how, how interesting it is for you being on the other side of things. Like where it, like someone tells a tour story or talks about, man, so we were playing this shithole venue in like Switzerland or whatever. You're like, oh my god, I've been there. I can, I can smell that smell of the venue that this person's talking about. That green room. I can, <laughs> I can think about that. I, I can put awesome. myself there. And to me, like, I, I feel like that's the nice thing about those from a fan's perspective is we get to be put into these situations that most of us never will be because of people like yourself sharing your stories. And I, I always think that's the fun thing about doing this, but also about being a fan of the the medium as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's just a great platform and I'm just happy that I've been able to do this. I've done, you know, the Joshua show. I've done a couple with you. I've done a couple with Joshua discography discussion. I just love, I would love to, I want to branch out and do more. You know, I, I think it's just a fun thing when you get to talk music with someone, you know? Yeah. 
but you know, kind of going back to, uh, excuse me, one of the uh, like ancillary things that you have done that I think helps you, and I'll kind of tie it into a different thing as well in a minute. But you know, you you talked about doing ship rock as a band and as you doing it as a stowaway. And I feel like from having friends that have done it, you know, from Skyler, from He Is Legend, uh, the Wilson dudes, and some of the other people that have been on this podcast, uh, Dave Buckner as well, you know, being a stowaway for many, many years from X Papa Roach, it's one of those things where I feel like when you get the pleasure of being one of the stowaways, or mainly even just being invited to be a part of the ship as far as the entertainment goes... It seems like a lot of long-lasting friendships happen as a result of, you know, being on these cruises. And I can't help but notice that it seems like a lot of – it's a good networking opportunity for a lot of bands to be introduced to one another. And coincidentally enough, like, you know, you guys just uh, announced a tour today with P.O.D. And Hyro the Hero is on part of that. And I feel like part of that could have been, you know, the fact of, you know – managers and all that kind of stuff putting this tour together but i have to feel like part of that is also by some of you being on ship rock and seeing hyro set and being a fan yeah, of what he's done uh, well the hyro connection came uh from way before ship rock you know and i think ship rock kind of sealed the deal though we had i listened to him you know and i went out uh, they were on tour with butcher babies uh, they played uh, by, right by my house, and I went and checked it out, and I introduced myself to him, and he happened to be an Outboy fan, you know. Like, he grew up listening to us and all this other stuff, and and uh, he, uh, it's just, it was cool to see him. I saw him every day on the ship, you know. He's always hanging out, always. Uh, he's a super humble dude and, and very, like, approachable. Got to talk to him and his wife quite a bit, and, and it was just a cool thing. And, like, even Wav and Trey were there from P.O.D., and we're like, hey, I just saw you. We were just together last month. We're going to see you. We already knew that we were going out with them by then. You know, we already knew the tour was going to happen. And, and uh, it was so cool. I mean, part of the stowaways is being cool. I mean, I got to talk to a lot of different people. Uh, this last stowaway, I had a bad experience because I fucked up the song really bad. And I just said that was the actual first time that's ever happened to me on stage ever in my career. Uh, playing that, and I hear I'm thinking. I, I mean, I've heard that Motor Breath song by Metallica. I don't know how many fucking times in my life, at least a good five to six hundred times, I've heard that song. And, and I and I rehearsed it, and man, I didn't realize how really fucking difficult it was. That even when I got there, uh, Doc from Bad Wolves and X God for Bay was saying, "Why are we playing this song?" They said, "So many other songs," and and, and we were all kind of puzzled, you know. It's it was it's such a deep cut for Metallica, you know, and I love I love all Metallica's deep cuts, but yeah, I screwed up the, the middle part, and everybody's looking at me, and I have you know Morgan Rose and John Tempesta over here looking at me, fuck up, and that was very to me, that was probably my most embarrassing moment on stage, and it happened 22 years in my career, and then and I I left really mentally hurt that really affected me like like you would not believe it took me like a good five to six hours to get get to even stop thinking about it and i even like listen to that i can't even listen to that song now anymore you know like it's like when i play kill them all i just skip it you know i guess it really i mean as a, as a musician you know i just feel like i failed the guys that i was playing with even though you know a lot of people screwed up you know a lot of vocals were missed and stuff like that but 
I was telling the guy who put it together, I said, I don't care about those people, man. I care that I, the fact that I fucked it up and that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I was really nervous before I went on stage, but I really thought that I had it. And uh, I, I sh what I should have done, honestly, was just give it to someone else and me not do it or just had a cut from the set. And uh, But I, I felt like I, that I had it. I listened to it on the boat. I downloaded it on my phone. I listened to that thing. as my wife. I listened to that thing like 20 times straight in my room two hours before the set. And I, could, and I thought I had the whole thing. And I, when I, they, all of a sudden they looked back and I had no clue that I screwed up. And, and that was very difficult for me to, uh, that, that was hurtful, man. I, and I had to go there straight there to go to non point soundcheck and my mind was racing and it was just really hard. That was really hard to deal with. I've gotten it over it now, you know, but as a musician, as a professional musician, that kind of, you know, kind of messes with you when you, you know, you, you mess up on drums. That is blatantly obvious. You know, you can miss a note. You can miss a note on guitar or something. You know, or you know, you can kind of cover it up. But drums, there's no covering that up. And that was real. I that was really rough. But but I had a good time with the soul. Lid. Got to talk to some friends I hadn't seen in a long time. Got to meet some new people. I had fun talking to Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. He is such a pleasure to talk to. I love that guy. And Frankie Bello was there too. Dave Allison, who I've known for a while when we toured Megadeth a few years back. So it was cool to connect those people. And, and, and it, it, it was a fun time. The only thing that sucked is me screwing up. I think uh, it's one of those things where as much as Lars gets shit on for, for his playing, even on record per se, I think it's interesting that when people play it, I think they realize that it's maybe not as, and I'm not saying you feel this way. I'm just kind of speaking in generalizations. Like you see so many blabbermouth headlines and stuff where people shit on Lars's drumming and that he can't do it and all this kind of other stuff and, and so forth. But I do find it interesting that when people actually play th something that I think they learn that sometimes it's almost like ACDC at times, like where it's like ACDC seems like the easiest shit to play until you have to play it. And then you realize the complexity of it is not that it's so complex with what you're doing. It's complex because of how simple everything is and how it has to be literally on, on the beat and that so much is just about the groove. And if you can't get into that, then it, it sounds like shit. And I think Metallica is the same okay, way. Two, uh, two, two things, you know, as far as Lars, I mean, if you listen to those first four records and if you just listen to his drumming, no one has ever drummed like that. And no one had, no one has ever done it before him. No one's done it while him. Nobody's ever going to do that in the future. He has a very unique way of playing drums. The way he acts and stuff, the way he throws things, he throws things in the off time. And Dave McLean from, uh, from Machine Head, uh, ex-Machine Head, sorry. Uh, he told me uh, Machine Head recorded a cover of Battery. Uh, for Metal Hammer, for a Metal Hammer magazine or whatever, and then and he told me, I said, dude, l learning that song was probably one of the most difficult things I had to do because it is not an easy song. And Lars wrote some really complex stuff when it came to Metallica. People can shit on him all they want, but just like you said, when it comes to playing the stuff, I mean, Lars works with James Hetfield's, James Hetfield's guitar. You know, they, those two work together very well, you know, and 
And I did play another stowaways where I did for whom the bell tolls, and I nailed that one. I, I killed on that one. Yeah, his stuff is complex, and it's so funny you mentioned about ACDC. I posted a vinyl of Highway to Hell today, which is one of my favorite albums. And I always, I always get asked by young drummers like any advice that I could give them. I said, listen, my my personal advice to you is always buy yourself Highway to Hell from ACDC. Learn that thing front to back. Play along to that record front to back until you are sick of it. Because that record's going to help you play in time. That is one of the... Phil Rudd is one of the most... It's probably one of the most amazing pocket players that you will ever you will you will ever hear. Exactly, they don't play to a click line. I mean, he is really he is really playing. I mean, he's not in the band anymore. Well, actually, no way. He did return to the band last I heard. Um, he is one of the best pocket players. Him and John Bonham and Vinny Paul are the three best pocket players that I've ever freaking heard that play the no click and play like completely live. That's insane. But Phil Rudd from ACDC, you listen to that or back in black, listen to those two records. And my man, my old manager gave me those two records. Like I already had them. He said, here, listen to these. And he, it was tied kind of to, to work up my timing. This was way back early when I first started, you know, when we were starting, you know, nonpoint, you know, being on the national level. And, uh, he uh he that Phil Rudd is just an amazing drummer. I mean, you, and the thing is, you want to kind of he like he's on beat, and you want to play to that, and you want to kind of do a fill, but there's no fill there. You know, you want to no, you got to stay on that beat, and that is harder to do. That is harder to do than any technical stuff. Like you want to go to a fill, no, you got to stay on that beat, and staying on the beat is a lot harder than people think. You may think that ACDC's music's simple, and like you said, until you play it, yeah, then you know it's then you know it's not fucking simple. <laughs> it's like I've always thought uh, another great record that seems to kind of go for drumming anyway. That's kind of understated. I feel like is a uh, is uh, Steven Adler on Appetite for Destruction. Another amazing drummer, pocket guy, and I, I was in a cover band years ago that we did Night Train and we did uh, Welcome to the Jungle, and those are fun songs to play because they. If you play in time, the song is fun because you're the one carrying that shit. You're the one, you know, you're the driver. You know, you're, you're like, you're the wheels and they're on top of you. You're the wheels of the, you know, it's like, it's, 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 man, that, and I'm going to have to listen to that record. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that record. I'm going to listen to that record tonight because he wrote some real tasty stuff on there and he just like, and he's playing on a four-piece kit, you know, like a simple four-piece kit with a couple cymbals and a cowbell, you know, like, a, like, yeah, Welcome to the Jungle is probably one of the coolest groove type songs on, uh, for drums, man. Yeah, good, good, good suggestion, man. I'm definitely going to listen to that tonight. Yeah. But, you know, kind of, uh, bringing it back to, to you guys, um, you know, I've really recently been seeing your name pop up on a lot of these top new metal albums, top new metal songs, lists that have been you know omnipresent lately and you know it's kind of interesting to look at some of these lists and see a lot of the bands basically never really did anything other than have the one song um or in in some theories the one record um 
But the, the more telling thing to me was is that, you know, some of the bands that you were lumped in, you know, with like the Corns, the Deftones, the Papa Roaches and so forth, all of those bands and you guys are still around. And it's because you guys have evolved from that quote-unquote new metal tag. So I kind of wanted to, you know, get your perspective on what it's like, you know, all these years later being put on these lists, you know, basically sort of talking about your career like it's over, even though it's still going and it's well, thriving. Uh, well, I mean, uh, like I remember getting a, a snapshot of uh, uh, there's that uh, XM's got that channel Turbo and uh, – and they had a the top metal, the top new metal songs of the '90s or something like that, or ever. I'm not sure. And Bullet was number one. Bullet with the name, and I'm like, how is that even possible? How could uh, it was like they had Seven Dust on their corn. Disturbed was number two. I said, how can our song be over Disturbed? That song was massive. And Blind, Blind was on there. I think Blind. Out of all those songs, to me, Blind is the top new metal song of all time. It doesn't get, it's got the coolest intro and that, nah, 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 nah. I, that is one of the coolest intros I've ever heard in my life. And, and you know what? I, the people, and if, you, if you go to Turbo's Facebook page, it's there somewhere. You got to keep scrolling back a little bit. The comments are like, who, some of the people commenting, who's not point? Like, who's not, you know, like, and, you know, and I look at it, you know what, you know, we've never been number one in anything in our career. So I kind of embrace that. You know what, I'll take that. You know, like, it, it, we've never been number one at anything, you know, like, but, you know, and all these bands that we were, that were uh, underneath us, it was like, how is, I still don't understand how we made it to number one. Uh, first of all, I had no idea that the list existed. I had no clue. I don't know who voted. I don't know who put it together. I have no friggin' clue, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I've seen our, our name pop up and you know what? And there's a, a book that my buddy, Matt Cart from England wrote called new battle, the resurgence or uh, whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind being labeled that somebody's got to put you in some kind of category. You know, you have to be put in a, in a genre, you know, so I'm, I'm cool with it. It doesn't matter if to me, a lot of people know that we're still around. Some people don't know. Like us, like I, I've seen a lot of comments. People say, "I didn't even know you guys were still a band." You know, it's like that. That that's funny. I just laugh. I have to laugh at that. I said, as active as we are on social media, and as much as we tour, and you know, we still have songs on the radio and all sorts of stuff. That I, I look at it's like that. Like these people must not have internet. Because there's no way that you can say, there's no way you can absolutely miss us that we weren't, you know, that we're not a band anymore. But I guess people just, some people either have moved on or just, just you know, like just some just have short attention spans, you know, and, and, but we're still here, you know, but most of the people that say that are kind of, they're pleasantly surprised or very happy that, because once we tell them, hey, we have a new record called x they check it out you know so and that's helped helped us you know with the sales and you know and the word getting out there still so i mean i i, I can't complain man <laughs> it is what like the, those lists definitely by those lists popping up it just keeps us in the light you know it's 
would be worse if we're not on the list at all. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that as a positive thing. You know, speaking of a positive thing, something I always kind of really admire about following you on on various social media platforms is your I don't know if dedication is the word, but your willingness to share what you're listening to and mainly putting a spotlight on a lot of younger talented musicians or bands uh, that you're digging. And I feel like in a day and age now, you just don't see that very often. It seems like everyone's kind of trying to protect themselves or their brand. And by putting any spotlight on anybody else, unless there's like, oh, I manage this person, so it uh, that will anything that benefits them will in turn benefit me. It's refreshing to just see someone be such a lover of music and just being like, yo, this is a cool drummer from XYZ band, and I love them, and you should check them out. They put out a great record last year. It's called this, so on and so forth. Or, you know, like you said, where you post, like, your vinyl and so forth and what you're listening to. It's just kind of refreshing to see that, like I said, because I, I don't feel like you get a lot of that anymore. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, dude, I love music. I love exposing out there what I love. I don't promote what there's bands that I like, bands that I don't like. The bands that I don't like, I don't talk about. I don't trash them. I don't say this band sucks publicly. I don't say it. I talk about the stuff that I love. I promote what I love, you know, and I love promoting vinyl. I think vinyl is the best way to listen to music. It's just my personal choice. But a lot of people share that too, share that, share that same, you know, sentiment that I have, that I have for vinyl. They have it too. And uh, I love, you know, like promote pushing new bands and Fire from the Gods came out. I said, check this man out. Like the Torch, Hire the Hero, like this awesome band from Cleveland uh, called Nine Shrines that we're going out with. Really, really good dudes. And, uh, and uh, you know, killer, killer live band, which, uh, yeah, they'll be out on that POD tour, you know, coming out this spring. And uh, you know what? I just love being able to expose people to the, all the stuff I grew up listening to. Like, uh, I'll post, you know, a New York hardcore band, a thrash band, a metal band. I'll put on Flock of Seagulls record, Journey. You know, I listen to it all. I can listen to Journey, then I can listen to Napalm Death. I can listen to, like, Wu-Tang Clan, and then I can listen to Slayer. You know, like, I, I, I just love different kinds of music, you know. And, and I'm not going to stop promoting the music that I love. Like, I can help somebody you know, maybe pick up a new record, even if the band's not around anymore. But, you know, I still find enjoyment out of all that music. Uh, there's this really awesome band that no longer called Only Living Witness that has, has my favorite my favorite vocalist of all time, Jonah Jenkins. And I talk a lot about those guys. And people have gone out and bought those records. You know, they're kind of harder to find these days. But they are on social media. I mean, I'm sorry, on uh, Spotify and Apple Music and stuff, but if people want the physical, it's a little harder to find, but I'll promote that band till I'm fucking dead, you know, because they're a great underrated band that just, unfortunately, could not get ahead, if, you know, some members, I guess, they want to tour, blah, blah, blah. Now, my, my friend Craig was in that band, he's a guitar player in Agnostic Front, and uh, he's, he's killing it with them, you know, and, and uh, I know Jonah's got a brand new band that I cannot for my life think of, think of a name but he's been in some killer bands too after that called one called Milltown one called Milligram another called All Radar War you know I, I keep up with what these guys are doing you know and there's one band that I promote a lot called Believer 
Uh, they're from Pennsylvania, a Christian thrash band that actually that's where I got the name Nonpoint from. Their second record, their third song is called Nonpoint. And that's where I actually got the name from, so a little history lesson right there. And uh, so, I mean, I, I don't see why I should not push the music that I love. You know, I don't see the reason why I should not do that. And uh, if it helps them, then cool, you know, and just, you know, it, it just, I just want to be that, that, that type of guy that is always promoting and helping bands and helping other, you know, helping friends out, you know, so. If I like your music, there's a good chance that you're going to get a shout out from me, you know, so, because I just love doing that, you know, and, and a lot of people have done it for me, for, for Nonpoint and for previous bands that I was in. So, I mean, you know, it's like a pay it forward type of deal, you know, like you just give back to the people that give. So, yeah. Uh, kind of one of my last questions uh, in wrapping up. You know, obviously you talked a little bit about being a wrestling fan and uh, the original night we were supposed to do this, you went to Monday Night Raw. And uh, it kind of made me wonder, you know, a band of your... I, I was trying to think, like, I think you guys have probably had a song be used for a bumper for a pay-per-view, I think, haven't you, in, in the last probably 10 years or so? No, never for a pay-per-view. We have been on a couple video games. Uh, we are on the Raw versus SmackDown. Uh, we were we were on there twice. We had Bullet with the name, and the live and kicking on one. And we had this song called Everybody Down on the second one. And that is some of the biggest exposure we have ever had. And uh, yes, I'm a massive wrestling fan. So, so would was that something that you, as either a band or just personally, would like to eventually do? Either if it's like WWE or Ring of Honor or even now AEW, of uh, working with the company or companies to create a theme song for one of the wrestlers? Is that something, you know, that you, you would love to if, do? If, if, that, if, if that opportunity came about, absolutely no question. I would 110% do that. If it's something that's going to expose you every week, why not? You know, like uh, wrestling, and, wrestling and metal go together, you know. So I know a lot of my metal friends love wrestling. You know, a lot of people that like our band love wrestling. So I don't see why not. And if you listen to these theme songs to some of these wrestlers, that's some heavy ass shit that's going on. That break that yeah, Seth Rollins it's got a breakdown to start the freaking his entrance. Just like a Brock Lesnar's uh wrestling song. It's, it's it's his entrance music. It's insane. And actually WWE have uh have a guy inside that writes all that stuff. Some dude that writes all that music. So some wrestlers use actual songs. Like Ronda Rousey uses this Joan Jett song, and I I don't know who does the Becky Lynch song, but it's a cool song too. You know, like. But uh, I, I would, uh, yeah, that opportunity came about. Absolutely no question about it. I would love to do it. Who would be someone that you would like to work on a theme song that you think Nonpoints music uh, would work really well with? Well, I, I'd love to do something for Becky Lynch. She's like the female Stone Cold right now. She is, like, ruthless. I love it. Yeah, the man. The fact that she calls herself the man is amazing. And uh, and Ronda Rousey, too. I mean, but I don't know how long she's going to be in wrestling. I'm hearing rumors that she may be leaving. And uh, I don't know, Dean Ambrose would be sounding kind of cool. He's got that, that rugged, you know, he's got that badass look about him. But basically, I love to do a song for Baron Corbin. You know, Baron Baron's a friend of mine. 
But uh, and I, I, I told him, dude, I'd love to do a song for you. I think Bad Wolves has a song. It's I think not he does. Bad he Wolves. It's Bad Wolf. uh, a song that Tommy Vex did vocals for on. on. Oh, okay, I don't know. It's something, some kind of a connection there. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to do a song for somebody. If that opportunity came about, I would do it in a heartbeat. And wrapping up, where can people find you and the band online? Uh, nonpoint.com. Uh, there you'll see all the little icons for all the social media, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we're heading out on tour with POD starting May 10th in Newport, Kentucky. And uh, those tour dates are, are being uploaded right now. I've been very busy today. I haven't been able to upload everything. The tickets go on sale this Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning for the tour with uh, POD Nonpoint, Hire the Hero on select dates, Islander, and Nine Shrines. It should be a killer time. Awesome. Well, Rob, thank you too, so much for taking the time to come on the show and, and talk all things uh, Nonpoint and beyond. And uh, looking forward to maybe catching a show. For sure, man. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. So that was my longer conversation with Rob Rivera of Nonpoint. Uh, Dan couldn't be there. I uh, had to work a long night. Uh, but what did you think of that conversation? That was fun. I always like hearing from Rob. Uh, he's He's a talker, man. And uh, he's got a lot of things to say about a lot of different types of music. And um, it was cool, you know, getting to talk a little bit about the new Nonpoint stuff. Um, I know we had briefly touched on that uh, whenever we had him on discography discussion. We were talking about all the Nonpoint albums, but their newest album hadn't come out just yet. And so we didn't really get to cover that in any kind of official capacity. That was kind of the one thing I was glad we got to talk about because I haven't really seen robert elias or anyone really talked much about it was the fact you know they said that they took a hiatus and they weren't going to do anything in 2019 or i'm sorry 2018 and i you know i guess we're preconditioned at this point to think that when a band says that 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 basically is just uh grounds that we're going to do stuff but like we just don't want to tell you we're doing stuff so we're not committed to any kind of a timeline yeah that was definitely the case there you know he's like no we we seriously um He's like, we, we, we write music every day and do all this stuff every day, you know, regardless if we're on a break. But, yeah, it is it is a little bit different um, from what we see as fans because fans just think, oh, you're not doing anything. But we all kind of think, like, what's the secret thing you've been doing for the last year? I think the other thing, too, that's kind of interesting and the flip side of that is you also, though, I would be a little bit afraid that, like, people are going to forget about you. Yeah, I mean, people are fickle now, man. Like, you don't put a single out however many months apart, like, people will forget. It's totally the same thing with podcasting. Like, you take a week or two off, people might just, like, forget about you completely. It could happen. It's my biggest fear. That's why I put out two a week, so there's no way anyone can forget about me. <laughs> that's that's absolutely the truth. Uh, then we just uh, have the luxury of having a lot of uh, interviews that, you know, thankfully people allow us to do all the time so um definitely one of those uh luxuries that we have over here at this podcast um you know that being said something else i thought was kind of fun too was kind of talking more about the legacy of the band you know being 20 years old now and the fact that a lot of the bands that they get lumped in with either don't exist you know in that new metal tag or you know are the bands like your corns your deftones your papa roaches and so forth that have all evolved into this thing that's 
can't be contained to any one subgenre over the last 20 years. And I think, you know, maybe Nonpoint isn't quite as big as some of the other bands that I just mentioned, but I don't think that takes anything away from the career that they've had because you can't be around that long and suck uh, outside of Mushroomhead. There's a few bands I could mention, but I won't. Uh, but yeah, definitely Nonpoint doesn't fall into that category of bands that have just been around and are garbage. They are absolutely the best at bringing that live show, going to going on tour, constantly giving the fans what they want. So it's like if you're if you're into Nonpoint, you're kind of part of an exclusive club, in my opinion. Like. Uh, they're they're a band that's going to always deliver for you. They're always gonna they're always gonna have something for you, and um, you know, yeah, they 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 may not be playing out to sold out stadiums, but I don't think it it has to be that. Uh, I think that they are solid on their own, and kind of just have their own. Like at this point, they kind of call their own shots too. It's not it's not this like endless search for popularity anymore. They, they, they've built what they have and they, they support what they built. Yeah. You know, and I think it was kind of interesting too, talking with Rob also about, about, you know, the, the utilizing of podcast and other new advertising platforms, basically to, to kind of get himself out there in his band, you know, when I was doing this, that was, you know, I kind of did something we don't typically do, which is, you know, tip our hand on as to who we have coming up uh, prior to actually doing the interview. Um, but I thought, you know, I kind of prosed out on our socials like, oh, what's something about Nonpoint or a question for Rob that you would like asked? And, you know, there were some decent questions, but uh, once I kind of saw how this interview was going, I was like, man, eh, there's kind of be shoehorning that in or, or basically rehashing a question I already asked a different way. Um so it didn't do that. But what was kind of cool, though, was how, you know, bringing up, you know, the fact that he has a weekly segment on the Talk To Me podcast and being like, how does, like, you know, does that do anything for you? Do, like, fans come up and be like, you know, I, I guess that would be more of a question for To Me. Like, do non-point fans, like, know that he does that? Or, you know, like, what does Rob think about it, you know, from his perspective and how, we, like, if he's seen any uh, anything come back as a result of doing that? But I always think that was, you know, just kind of an interesting thing that Rob seems to be really... Uh, a big proponent of utilizing whatever is new and forthcoming uh, social media wise or whatever to get his band out there. Yeah. He, he's a good spokesman for the band really. I mean, cause he's kind of the only one that I know that does a whole lot of press. Um, and you know, for us though, it's what I like about it is that he, it's not really like press so much. Um, he'll usually just sit down and have a conversation with you and, you know, you might talk about non-point. You might not. I mean, I, I, I had him on my show for like two hours and all we talked about was thrash metal, you know? Uh, and that was cool. Like it was, it was fun, but it was still kind of promoting like, um, uh, what he had going on, you know? Right. And, uh, since this episode kind of ran a little long and speaking to promoting, uh, different things, if you would like to keep up with non-point, you can find them on Facebook at non-point Instagram at Nonpoint Band and Twitter at Nonpoint, or go to nonpoint.com and keep up with everything they got going on. You can purchase tickets to those uh, tour dates that we were talking about with uh, POD and Hyro the Hero and a couple more. Um, if you'd like to keep up with Rob, you can find him on Facebook at Rob Rivera at Nonpoint, Instagram at Rob Point, and Twitter at Rob Rivera and P. 
If you would like to keep up with our show's sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them at thebeanbastard.com. Facebook and Instagram are simply The Bean Bastard. And if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at metalnexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan can tell you where he can be found on the interwebs. Oh, I can be found all over the place. Um, don't do a Google image search. You will not find me. You'll find the folk singer, Daniel Terry, uh, who's really good and far more successful than I will ever be. But now he's dead. So, you know, we got that going for us. But uh, you can find really me uh, at Discuss Metal Dan on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. And you can find out anything you want to find out about my other podcast on uh, DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BrewSpeakPod. Email us at Brutally Speaking. And for the Brutally Speaking podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.